This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome, everybody, to the Skeptical Skeptics Podcast. I'm your host, RJ Metzger. And I'm Rachel Metzger. And this is episode 39. Um... So we did our second mini story on Grace Sherwood, which actually got picked up by a Virginia like magazine or whatever. So they like put it out there and said, hey, listen to this. So that was kind of cool. Um, I have no shout outs for the show, although I will say, well, no, that's a lie. Shout out to the Fantasy Football League. Good draft. Um, yeah. So I think Alex won the draft. But I'm not sure if that's uh Really, the ratings, I just forgot. Um, but yeah, it was a good draft. Very minimal uh, trash talking. So that we got to pick that up. Um, but yes, so the league is uh, alive, at least. We'll see how that goes. What else happened for the show, babe? Oh, we have um, our new logo is out. It is Rachel's catchphrase, which is. Oh, I don't like that. Which apparently she says a lot whenever I say creepy things, which actually today she might say it quite a bit. Hopefully I didn't even know I say it very often. It's true. Thanks to Kelly and Britt. Um, so we put that out there. It's on our social media. I'll pin it um, at some point. And for our next drawing, which was we're still gearing up to do, um, the winner will get like one of those stickers, one of our standard stickers and uh, maybe a shirt or something this time or maybe a mystery box, which is something we talked about. Um, so we talked about maybe doing for our next drawing winner, um, just like a mystery box of like a probably a fictional like crime or something, or maybe even like a, a real like cryptid. Um, but I don't want to do like a real crime because then that seems like kind of disrespectful. Right. But um, anyway, so like mystery box winner would have like a little fake uh thing to solve and then depending on what they came up with the answer they came up with we'll, we'll record like a short episode for them or with them i thought that might be cool that would um, be cool yeah but anyway let me know if you're interested uh in that on social media um anybody who has previously reached out to us let us know if you're interested in doing that as a winner um if nobody's interested in it we won't do it but if people are pretty interested in that then obviously like the winner could get it um of course if you win we'll just talk to you about it like hey do you are you even interested in this or would you rather just have a shirt um but if anybody's interested and they're in like the top three maybe we'll do that um what else oh yeah so new stickers we'll post a picture of those um if you want one of those and that's about it oh we had a one-star review forgot to mention that so uh it's only our second and it's the first one with text so i did want to address it because one it's fun but two actually it was kind of an interesting claim so they they think that we ripped off um i posted on this about this on social media but they think they ripped off we ripped off the show from this paranormal life which i'd actually never heard of um but after looking at it like i kind of get where they're coming from because like the logo is fairly similar theirs is like a and look them up they're actually a really good show because i listened to them um just now but um their like logo is like a triangle with like a ghost and bigfoot bigfoot and i think a ufo yeah uh in their little like white logo and there's a black which is interesting um our logos other than that don't look at all similar though and their show structure is totally different than ours which i thought was funny because there's like way more shows like even the shows we cite we're actually more similar to like mysterious yeah. universe and and that's why we drink right. we've both we've both said is kind of like the insp- inspiration for the show and like they do where one person has a story and the other person reacts and they flip but 
this podcast doesn't even do that. So this person was like, oh, you totally ripped off their show. But actually, we ripped off other people's shows that we openly acknowledge. Um, and then the last point to that was also, uh, I mean, how else are we going to structure a two person show? Like, there's just yeah, right. <laughs> like, it's not that's not the way lots path. of people do it. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, but anyway, so I thought it was funny. But anyway, so this person's not going to hear this because they clearly hate us. But in case you do, just know I had no idea who those people were, although I will plug them right now. Uh, this Paranormal Life, they won a bunch of awards, been around for a couple years, um, and they're very funny. So they're more comedic based than we are. Um, and they're definitely like, I, I think that I only listened to one episode and they definitely came off as skeptics. But I think that they also have like said that certain things might be paranormal. So they're kind of in the in the middle like us, um, but more comedy based. So check them out. Um, I like the parallels. So if you like us, you'll probably like them, um, although we're not actually that similar. Um, in the news this week, we've got. Man, I've been talking the whole time because you didn't you don't look at the news. Um Okay, so anyway. Sometimes I look at the news. Stop painting me to be that guy. I'm just saying. I you do? This time, yeah, I have. Okay. So, meh. <laughs> anyway, um, so this week in the news, uh, there is a, med- uh, like a scientific journal article coming out where this guy actually looked at Ouija boards and, or Ouija boards or whatever you want to call them, um, and how... Uh, they may actually be legit was kind of what he was getting at. And so what he did was he set up a camera and software to track the planchette. Um, that way the human, like, like they could, uh, like the people could not look at the planchette or they could, you know, not, um, interact with it normally because this camera was actually scientifically like tracking all the data points for them. And uh, what he found out was um, a couple things. So one, he was testing the idea that obviously like the human moves the planchette, right? Yeah. And he found out that um, like physically the person does cause the movement on the Ouija board. Okay. On the planchette, which that's makes sense. But if you go back to like old school Ouija board like theory, um, they say that like the human interaction is necessary. Like the planchette is not moving it. Right. The, they move it through you. Through you, yeah. right? Like that's the whole point of the Ouija board. So that's not really groundbreaking. Although some stuff he did find that was like legitimately interesting was um uh in a couple sessions, um they like the the characters that it was like pointing out weren't just random. Um they started like coming up with phrases and like words and uh, did so at a very rapid rate, um, sometimes as fast as one character per second. And um, what they thought would happen is like what would be random at first, um, like like random letters and stuff. Uh Once something started, like a a word began, they thought that like because of human nature, like they would want to complete the word right yeah and the randomness would end but what they really found was that actually wasn't the case like people and of course they had people chosen to do the ouija board experience and they weren't trying to manipulate the board yeah but what they found was like even when something would start they would actually continue the random stuff so it seemed like the random uh phrases that actually or the phrases that came out that weren't random um weren't human manipulated in other words um they found a couple other things so one of like he did like 50 plus sessions for this paper and in one of the sessions um they didn't even recognize it at first but the people did like a perfect heart and they didn't even know it oh wow but it showed up in the in the in the 
stats. So anyway, that's pretty cool. The journal article is in the Journal of Scientific Exploration, Volume 33, Issue 2. And it is called A Camera-Based Tracking System for Ouija Research by Eckerd Cruz. So you can go ahead and read all that if you'd like. Uh, very interesting. So that's all I've got this week, I think. Oh, we have a new puppy. Um, Her name is Winnie. Winnie. Uh, Winifred Patrice Metzger. Yeah. Is her name. Uh, she's a Winnie, Winnebago, Win Puppy. Winston Churchill. Winston, Winnie, Winst, Winnie the Bish. Uh, all sorts of things so far. Yep. She's cute. She's very cute. We'll um, post a picture of her. We will. She's super precious and she gets along she's with She's on our, my lap right now. So if you hear puppy noises, that's what's happening. It's the Winnie. Well, Larry's on your lap too, but that's only if you hear old man voice that's noises. That's old man gross noises right. or being smelly. Yes, that's Larry. So anyway, um, this week, what are you talking about, Rach? I am talking about the bunyip. I like it. Me too. I'm very interested to find out what that is. You're I'm sure. Learn. I, I'm sure I've heard of it, but I don't know. I never had. But, I mean, I'm obscure. not like a cryptid person. I, so. can't, I can't remember it off the top of my head, so we'll see. If Josh Gates hasn't chased it, I probably don't know it. I don't think he has, but I could be wrong. <laughs> All right, and I'm going to be talking about the Order of the Solar Temple, which I think I'd heard in passing, but I really didn't know much about them. Um, you could probably guess why I'm going to talk about them because, oh well, no, actually, I'll tell you why I'm going to talk about them. We've never done a cult before, and it's not like in our normal rotation. But I thought it would be interesting because some of these cults, uh, one are creepy, and Rachel, you know, likes to do the true crime episodes. Mm -hmm. I'm not super interested in, um, but two, like. Some of them legitimately do believe like in the supernatural elements that cause them to do these crazy things, right. obviously, or else they wouldn't do all of them. So that's why I think it's actually worth talking about for our subject matter. So if you like the cult thing, let us know. If you don't, let us know as well, because, again, it's a it's a departure. So trying something different. But anyway, so the Order of the Solar Temple was formed in Geneva in 1984 by Joseph de Mombro and Luke Jarrett. OK, so they actually had two separate cults um, and then formed one cult. So uh, DeMambro's um, foundation at the time was the Golden Way, which he established in 1978 or the Golden Way, Foundation Golden Way, excuse me. Um, and it was built on ideas that were pilfered from the Knights Templar, right? Um, okay. Which I'll talk a little bit about here in a second. Um, but... DeMambro himself actually began practicing occultism in the 1950s. Uh, he was born in 1924, so in his like uh, 30s, he's, he started this. Um, and 30 years prior to starting the old Order of the Solar Temple, um, he became a member of the ancient and mystif mystical Order Rosicrucis, okay? Or the Rosicrucians, um, if you've ever heard of them. Nope. Yeah, me neither. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> some people have, so apparently they were a big deal. Now, Jarrett, on the other hand, uh, he actually was a founder of the Arch, which was his thing. And it was based on New Age concepts. Um, he also was a member of DeMambro's uh, Foundation Golden Way. And that's how they met. Um, but Jarrett was actually known for being a um, former physician, um, which we'll talk, to, we'll talk about why that was used. Um, now... The like I said, they met when Jarrett was in the Foundation Golden Way, which was DeMambro's uh, foundation. Mm -hmm. um, but the Solar Temple itself claims that they trace their history back to the revival of the Knights Templar, which were originally a military religious order founded in the 12th century 
um, which was suppressed by papal uh, command in 1312. So the thing about the Knights Templar, which, of course, you can remember, they're talked about a lot, um, mostly from um, what's that? The Da Vinci Code. Mm -hmm. Uh, Did you ever see the movie or read the book? Nope. Neither? No. Oh, really? Yeah, I haven't. Okay, so it's a super overrated book, but the movie's pretty good because it's Tom Hanks. That's what I've heard. Um, But anyway, so, okay, well, we'll fix that at some point. I didn't know that. Um, But uh, so in there, the Knights Templar were like, in that book, they're chasing like the uh, gold. uh, What's I mean, hell, the Holy Grail. Thank you. (laughs) uh, Along with Monty Python um, and uh, well, the Monty Python dudes. And um, yeah, so like the Knights Templar uh, were an old group and they were real. um, So that's that's one thing. They were they were real. Hold Um, on. Am I? Crazy or is the Knights Templar the same thing that's Assassin's Creed? No. Yeah, same. Okay. So um, the reason why they're in like so much of this like lore um, and it goes back to like uh, like Illuminati stuff, too. So a Mm -hmm. a lot of like secret cults and all this, like uh, even Masonic symbols and stuff go back to the Knights Templar. Yeah. Um, And Da Vinci Code specifically wound those two together, the Templars and the the Mason Masons. Um, But one of the reasons that they're so such a big deal is because they were um, like a not mercenary, but during the Crusades, um, they were just involved in, you know, a lot of like hunting of, you know, uh, not only high profile targets and stuff like that, but also um, uh, relics and and golds and riches. Okay. so one of their main things was uh, it's at least claimed that they had this huge cache of riches that they didn't uh, necessarily like report out to the to the church. And so then they were able to subsist to to be on their own and have their own like function. Right. uh, Due to this wealth. Right. Um, Now that goes way deep. We'll probably do a special on the Knights Templar like they're between them and the Masons. There's just a ton of history, legit history. Um, But a lot of the like cult stuff that comes from it is because um, they were also have said this is where Da Vinci Code comes in. um, They were said to have found the Holy Grail, which was um, Jesus's wife and child. Right. Right. Um, And so then that's where that whole fiction comes in. Um, and that's what really what brought it to like the mainstream eye. Um, but obviously this was 30 years ago. And so the Knights Templar were still like a big deal. And uh-huh. so actually I talk about a little bit about that. Um, but anyway, so the Solar Temple again traced its history to the revival of the Knights Templar, which were in the years after the French Revolution in 1805, Bernard Raymond Fabre Palapret. Um, claimed to be the head of the Knights Templar and he attempted to recreate the order. Um, his group, that original group from 1805, split into many different factions, uh, some of which uh, developed a belief in the imminent end of the world, which comes back in a minute. Mm-hmm. But before founding the Solar Temple with Demambro, Jarrett belonged to a descendant of one of these factions, the Renewed Order of the Temple. OK, and again, Demambro also, um, you know, was a part of the Order of the Rosicrucius. OK, so. Mm-hmm. So they had a lot of ties to this. So then they said, well, we're the order of the solar temple and we're also Knights Templar. Okay. Right. So Demambro was kind of the brains of the operation. Um, he knew to grow his golden foundation, golden way organization or whatever, um, that he would need somebody more charismatic than himself to represent the cult. Mm-hmm. And so that's where, uh, Jarrett kind of came in. Um, and again, they both formed the order of the solar temple, but they actually, again, met, in his yeah. first force organization. Right. Um, but Jarrett came in cause he was a former physician. Um, he gave presentations, um, on a 
uh, lecture circuit around like Switzerland, which discussed like seemingly innocuous subjects like love and biology and uh, used his medical degree to give him credibility. But the speeches would eventually steer more towards like apocalyptic messages um, and normal cult stuff. Right. right. Uh, and talking about the self-destruction of the earth through environmental disasters. Um, and like each lecture, of course, would conclude with him and Demambro talking about their solutions for how these people should survive. OK, so that's kind of how he used Jurette. Uh, by the way, getting back to citing our sources, um, I used Gizmodo, Ranker, uh, Britannica, like the encyclopedia site, Swiss Info. And yeah, that's it. So that's what I used. Um, some were more useful than others, but, <laughs> but, uh, but that's what I used. Um, but anyway, so, uh, anyway, so every single time, mm-hmm. every freaking four seconds, uh, but it, they ended up with followers in Switzerland, France, and Canada, um, by the end of a very short period of time. Right. Mm-hmm. So the members of the, um, order of the solar temporal had to pay to move up in the organization, which was conveniently benefiting the cult's leaders. Right. So, uh, they were, there were initiation fees, gifts were required to be given to the leaders. And there was like mandatory tuition, mm-hmm. the cult's, uh, Secrets. So like uh, in order like to move up, the incentive was you would get more of the cult secrets and a promised salvation upon the return of the second coming of Christ, which was called the solar God King. Okay. Okay. So that was part of their thing, like tied to the end of the world was the second coming, which of course, like, you know, pulls from Christian belief. Yeah. Um, now, a few of the regular members actually left the cult once they realized their leaders, uh, J- both Jarrett and Demembro, were leaving were leaving super lavish lifestyles. Um, from the income that they were getting from the from the church, like uh, people, people ended up leaving. Right. Yeah. But anyway, over the course of six years, the order of the solar temple gained over 400 members and um, ended up delineating itself into a three part structure. But a lot of these members were actually middle and upper class because of the way that they were presenting their stuff, which is through academic like presentations. Uh Um, So they were getting fairly rich members. Um, but they had a three part structure. The lowest part was the Amanta Club, which was designed for members who just spread the cult's message to new people. Um, they were like, uh, quote unquote, ambassadors and gave lectures all around the world and proselytized the group's doctrine. Wow. Uh, the next level of the, the of the cult was the Arcadia Club, um, which they got more of the cult secrets and were promised um, a reward of coming closer to a quote, higher consciousness. Mm-hmm. But in order to join this group, you had to be hand selected, um, by an elder to get there. Of course you did. Yep. And then the highest circle of the cult was called the international knighthood organization, uh, reaching this level involved secret initiation rituals and its members had access to publications that others did not. Um, but of course, uh, every cult needs an inner circle, right? This for them was called the sing synergy synergy synarchy 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 of the temple. And it's it consisted of the cult's largest donors and its leaders, all of whom refer to themselves as the elder brothers of the Rosie Cross, which again pulls from uh, the Rosicrucians Mm -hmm. um, and their uh, terminology. And they were all having sex. Oh, we're getting there. <laughs> of course you are. Yeah. That's what I'm waiting for. So not all. The creepy, but, weird stuff. Yep. So the elders um, all led lodges, which is cult speak for a church, um, which were had their own altars, robes, and symbolic instruments. Um, they stashed away the majority of the funds uh, collected from all the fees and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So um, 
Jaret himself actually claimed a bunch of different things in front of the elite members of the cult. Uh, like that in a previous life, he was a member of the Knights Templar, of course. Right. Uh, he also told them, and this is interesting, that he was the third reincarnation of Jesus Christ prior to the second coming. Mm-hmm. Um, and he used the authority, quote unquote, that this gave him to uh, choose female members of the cult to have sexual activities with before ceremonies. Yep. Stating that they gave him powers, spiritual power to do what he needed to do. Yep. Yep. Of course they did. Um, Cause that's how sex works. Yeah. So Demambro was in charge of the cult's rituals and ceremonies. Um, he led prayers and guided members through meditation sessions. Um, in order to emphasize his own importance in the cult, uh, and a holy member, he said that he was actually married with gods through theogamy. And, um, his son was an immaculately born, uh, or no, sorry, that um, his son was conceived through theogamy and that his daughter was immaculately born like Jesus. Yeah. So, um, so wait, was he saying his daughter was the next Jesus? Nope. Just that she was immaculately born like that. He he is a God because he's married to a God and his son is thus the son of a God. But his daughter was immaculately born from the God Yes. I don't know. He's, Alrighty. He's crazy. Anyway. Um, <laughs> well, he was crazy. We're going to get there. All right. Among the cults, um, many, many beliefs. Uh, one of them that was integral to their whole like teachings and everything was that the world would end um, via a worldwide catastrophe in the mid 90s. Yep. OK. Um, obviously, that wasn't happening. So, um, <laughs> yeah, the uh Group's goals were initially based in like survivalist behavior and doomsday prep. So they actually um, the can Canadian members actually started an organic farm that's still in operation today. Oh. Um, they also like stockpile food and ammo and weapons and stuff to prepare for these disasters that would happen, um, which they, by the way, said would mostly be done by volcanoes, which is interesting because our biggest threat to extinction is volcanoes. Isn't it's it? a super volcano yeah. Yeah, under uh, Yellowstone. Yeah. I don't know if it's still the biggest, but it's a huge threat. Um, yeah, there's actually a book about that. It's a YA series um, that is about that volcano going off and the world after. Yeah, I, that doesn't surprise me at all. Um, but anyway, so anyway, so. You know, I don't even say it in my normal life. I only say it here. Now I'm going to have to pay attention because I don't know. Ugh, anyway, so. <laughs> yeah. Um, they eventually switched their message around when they realized the world, you know, just happened to not be ending by a pure guess by them. Of course. Um, and they emphasized that life on Earth was but an illusion, like our last week's episode. Oh, snap. Yeah, so tie in. Um, but elders would tell members that their only hope laid in shedding their earthly bodies in order to be reborn on an unnamed planet that was orbiting this dog star. Sirius. Their only hope was dying. Yes, in order to get out of the simulation. And then they would be reborn on a planet orbiting these pups, little home star. And be like, then they'd be real. Yeah, yeah. And they'd probably be gods or something. But anyway, so, oh man, that's getting brutal. <laughs> um, Demambro recruited 12 of his closest and highest ranks of followers, and they recreated their version of The Last Supper. Um, the biblical final meal, obviously, that Jesus and his apostles had. Um, but in their version, Demambro was Jesus, and he led his, quote, apostles through the through the dinner. And 
the inner circle members were aware of what was to come from mm. this final supper. Okay. No. So what do you think they did? Do you have any guess? I feel like they probably died because saying the whole, they have to shed this skin. Earthly body. Yeah. Right. So on September and it 30th. it was the last supper. Yep. So on September 30th, 1994, uh, three members of the cult were found stabbed to death in Montreal, Quebec. Um, one of the victims was a three month old child oh, who was, no. I know, and this is rough, uh, stabbed repeatedly by wooden stakes alongside his parents, Antonio and Nikki Detroit. Okay. They were killed by two other members of the Order of the Solar Temple on the orders of DeMambro. Outwardly, DeMambro told members that the Detroit's new child was Antichrist, which is why he was stabbed by the wooden stakes. Oh, yeah. And um, but uh, privately, his anger was likely due to the fact that the Detroit's named their child the same name of uh, DeMambro's, quote, godlike son, Emmanuel. Because that's a reason to kill a baby. Right. And then reports that uh, Antonio, uh, the, the father, um, had recently admitted to other cult members that he'd helped install mechanisms in one of the lodges, which were mm. used to trick members into thinking they were seeing miraculous things, um, such as um, like a, a hologram type of like a projector yeah. to water mist and stuff. Um, he he hooked a few of those up and eventually talked about it. And so that's why they killed of uh, course. them. But anyway, days later. Uh, so again, that was on September 30th of 94 on October 4th and 5th in 94. Two solar build solar temple buildings in Switzerland went up in flames. So as biography.com says, quote, the next morning, investigators were baffled by what uh, much of what they discovered at the site, which were 48 people dead. Some, oh my gosh. some may have committed suicide while others were most likely killed. Some had injected uh, had been injected with tranquilizers or had plastic bags over their heads while others were shot. DeMambro and his wife and children and Jarrett were among those killed. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, inner circle members appeared to have used poison to die, while other members had bags over their heads and had been shot in the head, seemingly forcibly. Um, they wore white ceremonial robes and were arranged in a circle with feet together facing a temple. Um, Wait, so do they think that the inner circle members killed everyone else? And then killed themselves. And then killed themselves? Correct. Okay. So... Uh, Oddly enough, and this is where this group kind of delineates from others, uh, that wasn't the end of it. So even though the leaders were dead in a year later, in December of 1995, so over a year later, mm -hmm. um, a chalet in the Swiss Alps was found burned with 16 bodies inside, most of which had been killed prior to the fire. And in 1997, five more members perished in a Quebec house, uh, which counting the Detroit family... Um, and then all these suicides, their death toll stands at 74. Oh my gosh. Right. Um, That's insane. Yep. Uh, among the casualties were three children. Um, and in every instance, voluntary participation was questionable. Um, one of the most notable deaths was DeMambro's son, Ellie. Uh, he started to question the family organization as he became older. Um, when news came out that visions presented to the members were actually holograms and special effects faked by, um, his dad, uh, DeMambro, mm -hmm. he started to get vocal about the suspicion, um, that, you know, things weren't the way they seemed. Yeah. 
uh, several people in the cult uh, quit in response to his own vocal uh, vocalizations. And Ellie walked away, um, which was, of course, a huge blow to DeMambro's credibility. And the transition to the mass suicide doctrine uh, followed quickly after. So he was probably losing grasp on the organization. Yeah. Um, and Ellie's body was actually among those found in the mass suicide. Um, so his defection either wasn't true or he was killed as, you know, part of his defection. So that's the order of the freaking solar temple. And the weirdest part is they still have members. So, yeah, there are still people who are part of this. Uh, it's actually recognized in several places as a real religion. And um, they still are doing whatever it is they do, even though the founding members are dead. And it's been, you know, 30 years since the uh, prophecy never fulfilled. So RJ knows this because we've talked extensively about it. But if for those of you who do not know me personally, there is nothing I find more interesting and awesome. Not awesome. That's not the right word because it's not awesome most of the time interesting than human beings who can control other people like by mm -hmm. they like are so good at manipulating people and at reading people that they can find these people who so badly need a feeling of belonging and need someone to follow that they'll follow a complete crazy person and they almost always do it the right way like the whole like academic things making it seem really like real and smart and whatever um and I, so cults for me are like pretty high up there in Highly fascination. Yes. Yeah. Like, I, but like what I always wonder is the mix of intelligence and charisma and want obviously for money and things and people to follow you on mixed with the crazy because yeah. this man would not kill himself if he wasn't crazy. So, yeah, that's that's always the mix that I find interesting is. Well, how much do they actually believe in it? Right. So that's, right. that's actually what I went into the cult subject looking for was, OK, who of these folks actually like truly believe in what they're talking about? Um, and yeah, I'm committing suicide is a good show of faith. <laughs> right. Well, because like him killing that the other guy, the Detroit, that makes sense. Yes. I that's mean, just, it's yeah. terrible, but it was very much for his own his own welfare. Right. But yeah, the killing yourself and your wife and your children. Yeah. So the. Killing of yourself, like, yeah, it's pretty insane. Although for him, I do kind of see it as like a he was really old. He was like pushing 80 at that point. So it may have just been his kind of like last hurrah. Yeah. Um, also, I just realized I may have been saying uh, Jorette's name wrong this whole time. Uh, I think he may have been French. So it might be Jure or Jure. But anyway. Oh, OK, well, because like I so um, we watched the documentary on netflix called holy hell which i yep. highly recommend I, highly if you enjoy it obviously if you do not like cults if you think they're creepy and weird don't watch it but if you are in super interested like i am because watch it. you think they're creepy and weird <laughs> yes i do too but like you know there's some people that like stay away from that right, stuff right. when i fully embrace it um but his i mean that guy was crazy but he is one of those that you look at that it's more like he did this for his own gain yeah. In so many ways, right? Definitely. Like 99% of his motive was for his own gain, whether that was fame, whether that was money, whether that was sex and power, whatever, that's what it was for. So I always am interested in the ones where it's like, there's a chance they actually like believed in this. Like there's a yeah. chance that they really thought maybe he really like 
put that poison in his veins, believing I will be reborn. Right. And, on well, this and planet. even if not them, then definitely their followers did. And there's just a whole level of interest there yeah, as well. And the continuation, like the. Yeah, that part. Gets interesting. To me. I mean, 1997 was, was the last mass suicide. And that was, I mean, two years after. I just think. Yeah, I just think people. When you believe something like that, it's really hard to. Well, at that it, point, I guess, well, especially if you're now sunk into it financially and family wise and yeah. you've had to cut ties, like and it becomes like, who you I are. I mean, obviously, it was that long ago. You've been born into it. Maybe a lot of people yeah. who have probably been born there. Well, and um, I, I think like there 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 is a case to be made, maybe not for Jure, but um, definitely for Demombro. He probably really does believe in at least some of it because he's been in like he had been at that point at the point of his death. He had been in some form of a Templar thing for 40 years. I mean, yeah, so right. he probably believed it. Well, and something else that I think that really on top of the need for there's people out there who feel this, you know, like don't feel like they are on a path or they have a reason to live or whatever. And they need that. Um, I also think like, like they talk about a lot in that Holy hell documentary, the community that, cults have that small tight-knit community of people is just something you don't have as an adult and yeah, normal in very hard general to replace, you just don't yeah. get it and so that's an interesting part of it too is the idea that like i mean these people like like in the documentary and i'm sure in this situation like they lived on one giant plot of land together and you work together and you farm together and you do everything as this community and you have these people that you gain these like ridiculous bonds with it's really interesting it's such a and it's just like well and it, it's such I mean, it's a half step from like Mennonites and, and Amish people, too. Like, I think that's the thing yeah, that's having like that community. Yeah, for yeah sure. like it's just one of those things where like even the worst things in the world tap into, you know, things that are generally considered well, good. That's you know? how they do it. Like, yeah. that's how people who. It's really interesting to me because I just don't have that. I definitely don't have that trait of like charis or charisma and being able to just pinpoint the weakness in human beings. I can't do that. So the fact that anyone can is super interesting to me because I don't understand it, but that they can, they do that. They bring in all this good and good and good to layer over the bad so that you can overlook the bad. Cause I'm sure these people who have been a part of this community for so long. And then all of a sudden this, you know, the guy's saying, Oh, we must die in order to have this. Well, and it's can overlook hey, that because us. of like right. where your family, where your community, just follow us. We're well, going to go. Well, and, and another thing is they have nothing else. Like if you walk away, you're alone. You have nowhere to live. You don't have a job. You don't have anything. And so or take the same flyer that everyone else around you is taking. Right. Right. Yeah, well, and then for specifically sure. with this one. And you don't really have the option because we're going to bag you and shoot you anyway. So well, and also just the idea of like, what if you really believe it? Yeah. You know, on well, top I mean, of the people that injected the poison in their veins, like that had was to have, self, yeah. yeah that was and I mean, so it's like on top of the community and the need to have someone to follow and the all of that our need of purpose and all that kind of stuff add the fact that there's a chance you actually believe in it. So let's take a break for an ad this week. It's um, things I found online. Um, they're very, very good. And um, they actually promoted us, I think, last week. So make sure you check them out. Um and yeah, listen to their ad. They'll explain it better than I can. In a world where digital content barrels towards us at relentless breakneck speeds, where posts and memes and tweets and snaps rain down a punishing assault of attention-grabbing data, three heroic podcasters 
With a strong background in broadcast media, are taking on the internet. Each week, we break down the trends, technology, and connections that are transforming our lives. We are Things I Found Online. Available wherever you get your podcasts. So I want to take a moment to talk about PodCoin. It's a new app that's out there that actually pays you to listen to podcasts, which considering you're listening to our podcast, I would think maybe you're interested in this. Um, for every 10 minutes that you listen to it, you're going to get something called a PodCoin, which you can use to rack up uh, gift cards or stuff for charity. So like we do calories for dogs or like dog food as Rachel so adamantly wants me to call it, but they count it in calories. And so dadgummit, we've donated like 9,000 calories to pups. Um, it's pretty great. So no other podcast app lets you do that. So check it out. Podcoin use our promo code skep skep S K E P S K E P all caps, no spaces, and you'll get 300 free Podcoins uh, for your session with Podcoin. So today I am talking about the bunyip. I don't think we've talked about a cryptid in a while. I think the last one was Bigfoot, right? Oh, that can't be true. I think so. I don't think we've talked about anything since then. Really? Yeah. We're I failures. Might, I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's the last cryptid we've talked about. Wow. Okay. Well, we suck. Sorry. Yeah. Especially if you're like, man, I don't care about anything else. All I want to talk about. Then, all I care yeah, about is they cryptids. They haven't logged in in like two and, like and a half months. Five episodes out of these 40, almost 40. Um, so my sources are the Thought Catalog, Folklore Thursday, Paranormal Encyclopedia, and Telegraph. Um, so the Bunyip is a uh, mythological creature from Australian Aboriginal mythology. Um, so the word Bunyip has kind of changed over time, but this the Bunyip became... The Yowie? What? Is it the Yowie? No, that's not a thing. No, the yaoi is. Well, it's not a thing I talk about. Wait, is it Bigfoot? No. What'd you just say? Bunyip. But like what type of animal is it? I or- haven't said that yet. Oh, okay. Well, the yaoi is their Bigfoot. That's uh, why I said it. You're getting ahead of yourself. So the word bunyip, the meaning of that word has changed over time. But um, back in the 1800s, which is when the this creature came about, um, it's, it meant devil or evil spirit. Oh, snap. Um, but closer, in about the 1950s, it changed to more of like pretender or imposter. Oh, like a, uh, like Loki? Yeah, because Bunyip is an Aboriginal word. So it's just kind of like adjusted over time. Um, so there's a bunch of different descriptions of this thing and it, it none of them are anywhere near the same. But the biggest one or the one most talked about uh, is... It's described as, quote, being between four to six feet long with a shaggy black or brown coat. According to reports, these bunyips have round heads resembling a bulldog, prominent ears, no tail, and whiskers like a seal or otter. The long-necked variety, which is a different version. So that's the that's one version. The other version is a long neck, um, is allegedly between five to 15 feet long and is said to have black or brown fur, large ears, small tusks, a head like a horse or emu, and elongated manned neck about three feet long and with many folds of skin and a horse-like tail that is so specific it and is different from anything but also there has been other times people have described it as um looking like a starfish okay first of all i've officially <laughs> never heard of this thing and others as an alligator okay so it's anything that you can't <laughs> recognize it's just a creepy weird animal all right um 
They also... They, starfish? <laughs> 15 feet long? I think what they mean is like the head looks like a starfish. Oh. <laughs> or a pug? No, bulldog. Oh, bulldog. Mm-hmm. Or an emu. Or an alligator. That's damn near 80% of the freaking world. I mean... I'm pretty sure it's just things that anytime the people went up to the water and saw a weird thing, they're like, oh, bunyip. bunyip. <laughs> All right. Um, well, also, there's lots of different groups. So I'm sure from each group, they call it a different thing or they call it the same thing, but it's something. You know what I mean? Um, it is also believed that the bunyip has supernatural abilities. Um, it can change water levels, kill victims just with its roar and hypnotize humans to be its slave. Not sure how. No one described that, but it can. Um, the bunyip has been said to lurk in swamps, riverbeds, creeks, and waterholes. So it's an, an it's a water animal, but it swims um, swims in the water with all four feet. But when it gets out of the water, it stands upright. According to like some of these things. Um, it is known to prey upon children and livestock when they got too close to the water, as well as women and children in the night. Also, although it, ha it has large teeth, like each description talks about large teeth because would it be an evil animal if it didn't? But um, it is known for hugging its victims to death. So uh, there are actually there are two different ideas of what he is and why he does what he does. And some believe that he's just a bloodthirsty murderer who's just hungry. But he, there have also been some that believe he is a punisher sent to Earth to bring justice to anyone who commits evil acts. Also to protect, protect the wildlife. I definitely like the second story better. Right. I just want to know, like, what have children done? Like, oh, what have children done? You've hung out with children. Kids are rough. I, I don't know if evil would be the right word. Depends on the child. Possibly aggressive. Definitely aggressive. Irritating. A little rude. Supernatural entity to bring justice upon them. Check. Just look around the world. And just be like, what are those small things? And why are they so unpleasant? Right. We need to send a bunyip. You just Which hear one? The starfish or the bulldog? <laughs> Both. You just hear like the mom. Can you please come over here? No, I don't want to. And the bunyip's like that thing. That one. That. That one That's is the, the evil one. one. Um... So in the 18 in 1851, a newspaper reported that a Aboriginal man had been killed by a bunyip and someone actually speared and killed one. Um, and they like put an outline of its body on the ground. They said that it was in 1851. Yes. It was, a, it was an old newspaper. Man. Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, and they said that it was 11 paces long and four paces wide. Jeez. I don't know what paces are. A pace. Like a footstep. Yeah. Wouldn't that just be a foot? No, your average pace is a little shorter than a yard. You're losing me now. I don't know what a yard is. What was it, 20, 11 paces you said? Mm -hmm. That's about 22 feet. 22 feet? Yeah. Good night. That's um, like the, um, in case you use the metric system, which you should, ugh. it's about 7 meters. Um, you should not. Or the length of like... Um, a uh, like a taxi cab or old police car. Yeah, that seven meters thing means nothing to me. Twenty-two feet, on the other hand, a meter is thirty-nine inches. 
See, you still have to make it into... (laughs) (laughs) A little more than three feet. All right. Three inches more than three feet. Anyways, um... So this spot was seen as, like, holy, and the Aboriginal people would visit every year where they had outlined the body, and, of course, over time, it disappeared. It's no longer there, because that was 1851. Um... There have also been some fossils discovered around that area that are unexplained that some believe could be the bunyip. It was said to resemble a walrus or hippo, which again, walrus or hippo, those are very different animals. I initially thought walrus, though, when I heard it, so. Or maybe How? it's just an Australian walrus. How is it a walrus? I mean, it's huge, and walruses are massive. It has tusks sometimes. But only when it has a long neck and a horse face. And that is not a walrus. Yeah, Jiminy Christmas. I can't even keep all that straight. <laughs> yeah, okay. Who knows? I mean, damn. Um, and then in 1933, a man named Charles Fenner basically said that he believed the bunyip was just a seal that had ended up in the river. I, agree. I guess they can like Probably. travel. Sure. Yeah. That far. Um, there are also some that actually believe the bunyip is a prehistoric marsupial car- called the... Dipo- oh no, Diprodon, Diprodon australis, which was supposed to go extinct 46,000 years ago. That's actually not that long, though. So, yeah, that makes sense. Maybe he's just like, there's just like a few sticking around. Yeah, I mean, we just found something that was like supposedly gone for 23 million years and we just found it. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, so that's the bunyip. Huh, cool. What's the uh, marsupial, though? Like, what's it look like? What a good question. Let's find out. This looks like a bear. Let me see. Oh, it does have. Hmm. It's like a beaver bear. It looks like a giant capybara. But the face, I guess, could kind of. Yeah, no, that definitely is probably it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Unless it's the starfish face. Well, then that's a whole other... Or yeah. the alligator face. Yeah, whole other thing. Or the horse face. Or emu face, which, by the way, a horse or emu, those are not interchangeable. Like, the second description said, a head like a horse or emu. Like, those two are the same. Yeah. Like that, that's, though, not the, that's not the same as saying horse or donkey. So they're interchangeable, yeah. They're very different. Yeah, I mean, that's interesting. I think it's probably that thing, though. Whatever it was. I think it could have been a million things. Yeah, well, I mean, by your description, yes, definitely. Not my description. Well, you know what I mean. The, the internet's internet. description. All right. Um, so this was another episode of Skeptical Skeptics, which had a subject we've never talked about and a subject that we grossly have ignored for the past two months badly. And let us know if you like want us to keep talking about cults or if you're like... That was lame. That yeah. does not cover your thing. Let us know. Although knowing you people, yeah, you're probably into it. <laughs> so um, If you're anything like me. Yeah, um, which I think at this point... Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. been 39 episodes. What are you doing if you're not? Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, geez, like, figure it out. Um, okay, yeah. So thanks for the good week. As always, we are going to do our next mini-sode um, here towards the end of the week, more than likely. And then it'll be... Special. The Q&A and a special all at the same time. So it'll be special followed by the Q&A episode. Which we still don't know what the special is going to be about. <laughs> No, yeah, we haven't decided. We have a couple topics, but we don't want to throw them out there because then it'll ruin subsequent yeah. specials. So, well, and also um, if we don't want to talk about it yet, and everyone's like, "You should talk about that one." Yeah, 
Yeah, but we're like not ready. No. Yeah. So uh, yeah, next week will be a special. How exciting is that? We're going to record for like three dang hours. Oh, last piece of news. We're going ghost hunting this weekend. Ugh. Finally paying it off. 40 episodes later, Rachel has decided she's going to man up. No, and Rachel do... has been forced into Rachel's not decided anything. Well, we bought a camera. So right. Which is me being forced. Into it's coming. Stuff. Also, here's the deal. I think me and Rachel just doing it would be lame. Also, Rachel's a scaredy cat, so that's not ideal. So we're bringing my dad and my mom. Now, you may think that that's a questionable choice, and I agree with you. But the reason why is because there is comedy gold layered in with bringing in my father and my mother. Because my dad is assuredly going to fall asleep at some point. And be the biggest skeptic on the planet. Yeah, nothing will be. And and completely unaffected by anything. Even if there was the most, like, clear evidence of something happening, he'd be like, huh. Huh, weird. And uh, my mom, on the flip side, is an old Asian woman. And whatever stereotype you're coming up with, that's, that's her. And um, yeah, she's terrified of and literally everything. Those people. And I am talking about an old guy with narcolepsy at this point. Oh, for sure. Uh, and uh, old Asian stereotypical woman are not ghost hunting anywhere on YouTube. So that's only the kind of content you're going to get from us and here. So I just like that his mom will make me look like less. Of a crazy person. Yes. But anyway, so we're probably going to be the people behind the camera um, a little bit in front of it. I will definitely be doing most of the camera work, um, but it should be a good time. And you'll definitely hear me talking a lot. Eventually, we'll probably get two cameras and then we'll be able to do it that way. Um, but we're going to see how this goes. Now, don't get too excited about when that may come out, because I have not video edited since college. And this will probably take me a while to get my groove. So you may not see this video for a month, but get get hyped, everybody. Um, or just tell us how terrible of an idea it is and that we should just stay home in the safety of our beds. No, I was already challenged to that by the like four people in the fantasy league were like, if you lose, you got to do that ghost hunt. And I was Ugh. like, we're already doing it. So they're pumped. That's not even a punishment for you. No, I said it's not. It's that's me. Why, that's why I told them to get me another one. Um, but anyway, have a good week, everybody. Bye. Chewing on something wood. Cut. Hey, Winnie. Quit. Winnie. Come here, baby. Winnie, baby. Stop. Our little Winnebago. Winnebago. Just go with your mom. Cute mother. And a holy member. He said that he was actually. Uh, um. All right. Why are the words failing me? said would mostly be done by volcanoes, which is interesting because our biggest threat to extinction is volcanoes. Isn't it's it? a super volcano. Yeah. yeah under uh, Yellowstone. Yeah. I don't know if it's still the biggest, but it's a huge threat. Um, there's actually there's a book series about it. I bet where that happens and it becomes it's like a it's a YA, but like an apocalyptic. Yeah. I started reading it. Uh huh. Sorry. Continue. No, you just can't scratch while talking. You can scratch if I'm talking. Oh, sorry. I didn't think about it. No, you're good. I liked the subject. You just can't do that.